Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and I want to welcome you to the Game Changers podcast hosted by Michelle Dutrell. I personally cannot speak more highly of the value of mentorship, and this podcast will bring you some of the best. If you want some inspiration back with strategy of how to make your vision a reality, stay tuned and prepare to ignite. Hello and welcome everybody to this week's Game Changer podcast. My name is Michelle Dutro, and I'm really honored today to bring to you my very first repeat guest. Today we have William Rodriguez, who, if you heard back from the very beginning, he was on episode six. So I don't know, what is that? 95, six, 95 or six episodes ago. This should be episode 98 that you're listening to. So this was quite a while ago. He is one of my closest friends. Like I said, I'm honored that he's here with us today. He's kind of a part, first part of a two-part story that we're talking about here around a documentary, Thank You for Your Service. You're going to hear a lot more about that documentary next week when I talk to Ilan Oberlita and... Tom Donahue, the uh, director and producer of that film. So we're not going to talk very heavily about that film. William is actually featured in it. But what we're going to really do a deep dive here on today, kind of in follow up, if you will, to the last time we spoke is around post-traumatic stress and what the impact is, regardless of what his origin is, whether that's child abuse, whether that's you were in the war, uh, there's many different ways that, uh, that our stressors can be triggered and come up and show up in, in very impactful ways in our life. And so we're going to talk about a few different things as it relates to that in this particular episode. So whether you may be struggling with that, or you know, someone who is, I hope that today's conversation helps shed some light on that and, uh, can be some help help. We are going to talk a little bit about the documentary though, because regardless, like I said, if you know somebody who's currently in the military or, you know, a veteran, somebody who's just recently gotten out, or this maybe is you yourself, this movie is something that you should absolutely find time to go see. We're going to talk about this, like I said, briefly, and then a lot more in next week's 100th episode. So with that, I would like to introduce William Rodriguez. William, if you will do me the honor of letting the audience know a little bit about your time in the army, what you did, your experience, um, how it is that you, because of that time, know firsthand about post-traumatic stress, and then what you're doing now in Santa Barbara. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Yeah. So my, my story as it, you know, starting, starting with the army, I was, uh, I was 19 years old and, and looking, looking for something to do. I, I needed some structure. I knew that. And, uh, I signed up in the army to be a reconnaissance scout, a cavalry scout. Um, and it, as a young man, it, I, it sounded cool, right? I get to sneak and be around and, 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 you know, provide intelligence for other people. And all these movies came to mind and I thought, yeah, recon, that's, that's what I want to do. And at that time there was no war. Um, and so I, I was going about it and, and, you know, we're just a few days past nine 11 and, and I was in the military when nine 11 happened. And, and that, that day changed everybody's life. Uh, remember you know, being, being in the military and watching it on the news and not really understanding and then having to like lock down the base and, you know, nobody could go on or off and everybody, we had gun trucks in the streets and it was just a a very interesting time to be in the military. Um, and that took me that, 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 that took me overseas. And then, so 
you know, three, three Middle Eastern tours later, um, I got out and I could tell that I wasn't really the same. I didn't know exactly how I had changed, but I knew I had, and I knew everybody else around me was telling me I had. And so I needed to go to, I needed to go to school after I got out. Cause I, I had no, no identity. I had no real purpose. Um, I had a young, young child that I, that I needed to figure all this out for and, and to be a good father. And, um, so yeah, I started going to school and then my symptoms started to get worse and worse. I started to have nightmares and I had this fear of impending doom and all of these things. And so then I started studying this condition. Um, and that, that took me, took me on a completely different path. And, uh, I got a, a degree in, in psychology. And then just as that was happening, uh, just as I was finishing up my bachelor's degree, um, I heard about the military social work program at the University of Southern California, uh, and it was brand new at the time. And uh, I was—I I had never done well in school. I, I'm a dyslexic, and I have ADD, and you know, I, I didn't even finish high school. I got a GED, and uh, most of my uh, undergraduate work was done online. And so I was like, "Wow, to go to go to school at USC, I'll, I'll never get in." And then I, I spoke to some some mentors and some advisors. And uh, they encouraged me to apply, and lo and behold, uh, the door opened up, and I was able to uh, to study post traumatic stress, veterans transition related issues, traumatic brain injury, and the things that 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 our servicemen and women are are dealing with when they come back from war. And um, so that that definitely changed my life. And since then, you know, to work as a psychotherapist to help people manage trauma. And in this case, trauma, not just being war trauma, right? Because what, what is studying war trauma led me to the idea that all trauma is significant, right? Not just, not just war trauma, but, you know, family of origin stuff and, and you know, just, the, just the, the struggles of being human and the things that we go through in this life. Um, and it's been an absolute honor to, to help people along on this journey and also to to help myself in the process. So I know that this, you're, you're glazing over this as you, you know, always very humbly do, but I know that this process of getting your bachelor's and then, uh, subsequently your master's degree, this was not a walk in the park for you. I mean, you, you know, nightmares and flashbacks and challenges. These were a very big deal and a very difficult time of your life. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. So, so in this period, um, and this is what we're going to get to later in the episode is a, a few different things that you and I both know about and have talked a lot about that can be helpful, but to set this up, uh, tell me going through that, if you think back to that period of time, I believe that the thing that most people struggle with is how in the world can I keep this locked away in Pandora's box? I don't, I don't want to think about these feelings. I don't want to think about these thoughts. And, and the number one goal being, uh, I've just got to somehow separate myself from either that period in time, whether it's stuff that happened in my childhood, war, uh, maybe abuse in a marriage. But if I can just separate that and make that something other than me, and the more I can separate myself from that and live this other life over here as this other person, then maybe that's the answer. 
and as a psychotherapist now, you know, here you are with a practice in Santa Barbara, don't you find that that, that first hurdle of getting people to understand that that is in fact the thing that's going to keep you um, locked down. That is the thing that is going to keep this post-traumatic stress recurring is by in fact trying to do that. Sure. I, I think it's a very natural human reaction to not want to deal with the uncomfortability of, of like what's going on in one's life, especially when talking about mental illness, um, or anything to do with, with, uh, with the, with the mind and, and how it affects our behavior. And so I, I think that there's two sides to that. One side saying, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm just going to pretend it's not going on. And then I'm going to medicate in a variety of different ways, whether that's through, you know, verbal outburst or whether it's through sex or drugs or shopping or any of these things, I'm going to medicate and try to numb this. But I also think that that concept can be a very powerful tool if used in, if used correctly. Right. And so that leads into the, what we refer to as the idealized self. Right. So what we can do with that, with the idealized self is saying, where are we trying to go? What is the best version of ourself do in this situation that we don't currently do? Right. And when we do fully develop our idealized self, right, then we can work backwards. Right. We know where we're trying to get to and it gives us a roadmap. Right. And then we and then we start to utilize the tools in order to be this person. You know, Tony Robbins in his in his film, he said um, he said, I invented the man standing here in front of you because I wasn't him. I wasn't born him, but I invented him. And I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. But only if done in a very positive way in, a, in, a, in, in identifying both the strengths and the weaknesses. What I see oftentimes when, when it relates to trauma is two types. One, my trauma is bigger than your trauma, right? People comparing traumas. Yep. Or two, the other side of it being, well, my trauma is nowhere near that person's trauma, so I should just learn to deal with it, right? Both of those ideal, our ideas, I think, are, are not serving, Right. If it's impacting your life and it's impacting your behavior and whether it's on a conscious level or a subconscious level, then it's, it's probably a good idea to to take a look at it. OK, so let's let's take a minute about talking about this uh, very thing. And that Tony Robbins film you're talking about is also a documentary. I'm not your guru, which is another great one people should watch. But he, here's what I'd like to talk about on this. And I agree with you wholeheartedly, right? Begin with the end in mind. How do I want to be remembered? What's my legacy going to be? And roll that backward. Is that legacy somebody who drinks a fifth of vodka every night? Probably not. So on that, this isn't serving me uh, aspect that would make a lot of sense. I should stop drinking. Theoretically, sure. But by the same token, I can also hear that person saying, um, no, I wish I wasn't drinking as much as I am currently. I realize that that's probably not serving the greatest higher good of me or anyone around me. But here's what's going to serve those people less. Me being somebody who is raging with anger and screaming and yelling uncontrollably, at least if I drink by seven o'clock, I pass out and go to bed and you don't have to deal with that. So I think what people look at oftentimes is a lesser of two evils and not looking at a third option, which is, hey, how is a way that we can become healthy? 
that it's not just, I either have these insane outbreaks where I may shoot somebody and that happens. You and I both know all too often, Mm -hmm. whether it's homicide or suicide, especially in the veteran population where this goes untreated, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. So then people say, Hey, instead of it being that extreme, at least I'm only drinking heavily. I sit at home. I'm not bothering anybody. I'm not going out and I'm not playing with guns. And I think if you're limited in thinking those are the only two options you have, which if there's not intervention, if it's not things like this film where you can, where you realize you're not alone, other people have struggled and have found that third path, another option to a healthy way out is this film and what this conversation is about, right? Because I do think yeah. people weigh out those two options as though those are the only two they have. Either they're going to kill themselves, kill someone else, or medicate through pills, drugs, sex, uh, gambling, whatever it is. And, and they don't realize there's, there actually is a third option out there. Sure. I think that's the paradox of being human right? Is the idea that we don't know what we don't know. Right. And that's somebody that we're sitting next to could have the answers to our life's biggest challenge, but we don't even know to ask it. Right. Right. And so that's, that's a difficult idea. And so the traumatized mind and really just the mind itself only knows what it knows. And what it knows is that the world is dangerous and bad things happen. Right. Right. So oftentimes when we're when we're when we're, we're future tripping or projecting or establishing idealized self, however we want to do it, what we see is the obstacles in front of us. Well, if I do this, potentially this will happen. But what's very difficult to imagine is the mentors that are going to come up that are going to help uh, help guide you along the journey or the door that's going to open and the path that you're going to take. Right. We can't predict that. Right. Okay. So because you do work with so many men, and this is super important on this asking for help, and we don't know what we don't know. Sure. Tell me how you convey to somebody. And I know, I know for a fact that you have done this in the, uh, after screenings at once the movie has it's played film festivals all over the nation, you've been to a majority of these. And after the film, which is fantastic, you visit with people and talk to people and they come up with their own experiences and what this film has meant and that it really unlocks some doors for them and realizing they aren't alone. But on this specific point in conveying to somebody that asking for help is actually a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. And that's a big part of what this film also um, conveys. How do you, if someone hasn't seen the film, okay, someone's Mm -hmm. listening to us right now and they're sitting here going, yeah, but but here's the thing. I I was a, you know, I was a hardcore Marine for 20 years. Uh, The last thing I'm going to do is raise my hand and say that I need to go talk to a therapist because I can't handle my problems. Mm. Talk to that person from a point of strength versus weakness in how they're interpreting that in their own mind. Sure. I love the the idea of post-traumatic growth, right? The idea that, that we can be stronger and we can be more fulfilled for having overcome the obstacles that life has placed in front of us, no matter how severe the trauma. And what I see a lot in the veteran community, especially, is you don't know what I've been through, right? And I think I think that's not serving anybody. It's alienate. It's further alienating the the individuals that want to help and the individuals that need support, right? Because in honesty, who who really knows what anybody's been through? Right. I I don't know what it's like to 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 be a female, for instance. I have no idea what 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 what, what that must be like, right? And and vice versa. And so 
the point is, is that we can learn together. And so oftentimes you hear therapy or counsel as a, as a negative or it has this negative connotation. And I don't really understand why, because if we look back through history, right, the root word of the term counselor is to counsel, right? And the only people that were afforded counsel throughout history were the ones that were leaders and that needed to make important decisions, right? I, I often have this picture of the king walking into that room, right? And all those people sitting around the table, right? Where he, where he or she is getting counsel from them because they understand that they don't know everything about all topics, right? They don't have to take all of that advice, but it certainly helps give them a different perspective, and I think that's absolutely important. When we leave the military, we're individuals. However, when we go into the military, we're broken down as individuals and built up as part of a squad. And that is a difficult paradigm shift, right? This idea that I'm better as a team, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trustworthy, I, I keep men safe or keep women safe, I'm a leader, and now I'm out and I'm nobody, right? right? And that's a difficult, difficult process to go through, right? It's almost a metamorphosis. And so I work with a, with a nonprofit that does uh, peer mentoring and, and advocacy called Purple Star Veterans and Families. And they have a model, right? A transition map and action plan that focuses on identity, mission, meaning, and purpose. Those are huge components in the lives of anybody facing transition, right? Who am I? Right. What am I trying to do? And why am I trying to do it? Right? What are the things that I absolutely hold dear? And I guarantee you that we cannot answer all of those questions with just the knowledge that we currently have. And that's why it's so important, regardless of what, if you're a veteran and, oh, I'm going to see a civilian and they don't understand, they may have a life experience or a perspective that could adjust your thinking and help you overcome the obstacles and to, so you can be your idealized self and live your best life. And you know, uh, what's great for those of you listening right now is the fact that I started this whole show off by saying that uh, William is one of my dearest friends, yet clearly doesn't listen to this podcast. Because for those of you that do, here's what's funny, William, maybe mm. three episodes ago, I did a whole thing on King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, yeah. <laughs> which you just referenced. So it's really very good timing. We obviously think a lot alike. And, yeah. and it was exactly that is, you know, th he had these 11 knights, there were 12 seats. And this is exactly the point that you're making, right? That any great person, I don't care if you're King Arthur or if you're Michael Jordan, um, any uh, great athlete, every single one of them has a coach, even though Same. they're the best at the best of what they do. If they're not getting feedback by somebody outside themselves on, Hey, how am I doing? Wh whether it's how am I making a shot at this free throw line or, Hey, where's your head at today? Because you're not playing like you normally do. And someone that can call us out and say, let's talk through what's going on because this isn't working. 
And we can't do that for ourselves. It, it requires somebody outside of us uh, to be able to give us that feedback. So obviously, I agree with you, even though you didn't realize how much I agree with you, because I did a whole <laughs> show on this topic. It, it is important. And if maybe then we reframed it from seeing a mental health counselor as though there's something derogatory about that. But I, I do think that, that our society is shifting and changing a bit in that the more that we talk about it, right? That it's, hey, who, who are the knights of your roundtable? Mm. Who are the people mm. you're surrounding yourself with to say, hey, here's here's what I'm feeling right now. Uh, is this cool? Is it not cool? Is there another way for me to frame this or assign meaning to it? And and that really is what it is, right? Like maybe your nights of your round table is, you know, someone, one is your neighbor, one is a great coworker, somebody else is a cousin, somebody else is your, you know, your paid counselor, but the people that you're going to, to constantly get feedback to make sure that what you're thinking and how you're feeling is serving your greatest high self because I think when we're in a state of hopelessness, that becomes very difficult when we feel completely defeated. And while I'd like to figure out my identity and my purpose and my meaning, if, I, if not only do I not have any of those, but I don't even have the wherewithal to get off the couch right now to even start to figure that out. Mm. That's where I think those people come from, right? To say, Hey, right now, maybe you don't have the strength to get up on your own. Let me help you. Until yeah. you can walk and figure out how to run, we're going to get there together. And, and, I, and that's what all of this is. I, I think that through this documentary, that comes out, right? I mean, uh, you're in this documentary, so you're mm -hmm. there for a lot of those scenes and, and the majority of what went on with what was depicted in this. And nobody gets better. Nobody makes it to the other side alone. Yeah. You're all there supporting one another through what you're going through together. And, and there's another whole underlying thing of this is if you think you're going to go it alone, the military doesn't teach that, right? The military teaches you from minute one, don't think you're an Island because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to sink that Island in a flat, in a flat second. You have to be part of a team. And now that you're out, that same thing must still exist. Yeah. Yeah. And it just becomes the, the, the responsibility of the individual to shape what that team looks like. Yes. Um, and I think, I think that's an important, important perspective that's often overlooked and not just for psychological health, right. But also for the body, you know, how often do we invest in stuff, right. But yet neglect to invest in ourselves to go get that massage, to go get that, to go get some acupuncture, right. To do the little things, to go buy the good food, Right. Right. To do the little things that can help shape the rest of our lives, because if we're just focusing on the mind and the body suffering, we're never going to get there. That's right. right. Yeah. It, it has to be mind, body and spirit. And whatever you call spirit, that's on the own individual. But as long as as long as some component of, of a, a cause greater than thyself is there. I think that fits that need. And, you know, you bring up a great uh, point here, one that I guess I haven't ever even thought about in this way, but I'm going to start is, you know, when think about when people put together their, their annual budget or their monthly budget, right? When you think mm -hmm. about your budget, it's uh, here's my rent or my mortgage. Here's the utilities. Here's uh, the stuff that I need, like the, the shampoo and, you know, those types of things that I'm going to throw in a budget, the car, gasoline, all of those things are survival, mm -hmm. right? That's existence. We're talking about thriving. If you're talking about thriving, it's where's my budget, like you just said, for my growth. Am I taking a class? Am I taking a seminar? Am I getting a massage? Am I signing up for a yoga class? So there's a big difference in what do I need for basic 
minimal survival needs to if I'm going to ever move from surviving to thriving, from getting ahead of this and doing well, what are you doing to put back into yourself? And you're right. I think that's insanely overlooked. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I've, I've, I guess I've known that for a long time, even though my, uh, sort of the training doesn't really focus a lot. The Western psychological training doesn't really focus a lot on the, the mind body connection. Right. Right. And so I was reading, uh, uh a book by uh, Dale Carnegie from 1942. Um, and the name, the name escapes me right now. Um, uh, uh, how to, how to stop worrying. I was thinking of how to win friends and influence people, but that wasn't it. It was his second book, how to, how to stop worrying. And he lists, he lists that as, as one of his main features, right? I think it's a second is seven keys to happiness. And the second one is honor your body, right. exercise it, take care of it, you know, utilize positive self-talk. And so the idea of this has been around forever, Right. Right. The, the idea that if one part is broken, then all it's going to affect everything else. That's right. And so I think we're just now as Western thinkers getting back into the importance of, of the, what I refer to as the Trinity, right? The mind, body, and spirit. And so it's a wonderful time, uh, to, to seek help because now we have more access to information than we've ever had before. Right. And healers from all kinds of different stripes are coming together in order to in order to make holistic treatment plans, you know, that treat the whole the whole human being. Right. You know, um, you bring up an interesting thing that uh, is always I I find uh, funny and whimsical, really, is when you talk now in modern time of Eastern philosophers saying that they are entertained, if not even amused by Westerners now talking about the connection between body, mind, spirit, when Mm. their response to that is what's interesting is you guys now are saying, oh, we realize there's a connection Um, from our viewpoint in, in Eastern philosophy. There was never a disconnect. Like, what are you joining when there's nothing to join? It's always been one. Yeah. Right. And and it's just, it's a whole different mindset when we say body, mind, spirit, and think about it from their perspective of why are you even listing separate parts and trying to connect them? There was never separateness to begin with. Sure. It's just a whole different way. And, And if you think about it that way, right, then how can you ever expect if you're just focusing on one area or an aspect of you that the rest of you is going to become healthy? It just doesn't work that way. You really do have to take all that into balance. So let's move forward here a little bit because we're on our last five minutes here of this interview. And I said that I, my, my promise was that we would talk about some skills, some takeaways that if somebody was listening, they could apply today. Or if they know someone who is struggling, they could either point to this podcast or jot some notes down and say, Hey, this is what I heard on this. What do you think about this? So William, talk to me about if, if someone's listening right now, and they, mm-hmm. they, you've got to get started somewhere. Okay. They are the person who feels alone and isolated and a lot of stuff that they don't want to deal with and haven't for a long time. And maybe they're not ready to pick up the phone and, uh, and, and seek a professional. So let's start at a, at a, at a basic start step one. Mm. Since we have already addressed the fact that the more you keep things bottled up, right? Keep it inside you. Don't get it out. Um, the worse off this is going to be for you to the point of that person that unfortunately snaps that we hear about on the news. How about starting with journaling? 
How about starting with whatever you're feeling, just getting it out on paper without judgment, right? Not that it's good or bad. I'm I'm having a bad day today and I shouldn't. No, that's a judgment. If you're just having a bad day today, acknowledging it, getting it out so that if one step is it's no longer bottled up and inside you, at least as a step one, you're getting it out on paper. Yes. Right. Our, the thoughts inside of our mind have a, the negative ones especially, uh, can have the tendency to be insidious, right? They, 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 they start off one way and then they get deeper and deeper. And right. when we speak them, right. right. Or we, we write them, we make them a reality. Then we can go back and we can analyze them right, right? now. It's a, now it's a real thing. And I, so I think, I think journaling is a, a very, very, very important thing, um, for, getting the thoughts, ideas, emotions out into the real world. Right. But the, the, if I had to give just one piece of like advice, I don't really give advice, but if I had to give a piece of advice, it would be to focus on, to find the gratitude, find the gratitude in your life. And let's start there. Let's start with all of the things that we're grateful for in every day. When I wake up, Right. I do what I refer to as a gratitude meditation. And when I, I go, I, I turn on my shower, I get in the shower. And as soon as the water hits me, I immediately say, I am so grateful for this water. Right. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be clean so I can start my day. I'm grateful for, for a new day. And then I just go on all the things that I'm grateful for. And I literally could do it all day long. And I don't. But just for five or 10 minutes while I'm in the shower and then I get out and my mind is much more focused, regardless of, of, of what happened, if I had nightmares that night or, you know, restless sleep or anything like that. As soon as I connect to the water, then I can go back to, to gratitude. And if we can find gratitude, then we can find hope. Right. Hope is hope is what we're looking for. And to stay grateful for, hey, things are things are things are tough and things have been tough, but I'm still here. Right. Right. And to really focus in on that empowerment, I think, is absolutely, absolutely critical in, in, in being the best versions of ourselves. And don't you think that even if someone's listening right now, again, on that competitive side of, well, you don't know my story, you know, I got nothing to be grateful for. The reality is we all if you're if you can say that out loud, <laughs> you're still here. Be grateful mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a start. And, and that don't you find that over time, um, anything that we're getting out in the, in the works of gratitude, when it's one thing, then pretty soon you realize it's two. And then pretty soon you realize in the entirety of your shower, you can't even get through everything that you're grateful for. Hmm. It just continues to build on itself, but it yeah. starts somewhere. That's right. That's right. And it's really just a, a matter of shifting one's perspective and focus. Right. Right. There's always going to be negative. Right. Right. There's and and the more we focus on it, I don't know about you, but I know negative people, right, where everything goes wrong in their life. Yep. They it just follows them. This 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 turmoil follows them. Right. And I'm not sure that that's not in some way, shape, or form caused by the individual themselves. Right. When we can stop looking at that big pile of negativity over there. Sure, we have to we have to process. We have to be realistic, right? But uh, the same way of being realistic applies to let's be realistic about where we are, right? Right? About how grateful or how 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 wonderful it is to have all of our limbs and to be able to speak or to be able to hear this podcast or to have hope for the future, right? 
right? Even all of those things are extremely powerful in moving forward and being the person that we need to be. But first we have to remember to do it. Right. right. To recognize that we're recognizing. And, and uh, I love your point because the truth of recognizing things for what they are, right? Let's not candy coat them and not be real about what is, but let's also not make it worse than what it is. And that's, I think, when you're talking about that person that's the complainer, all of a sudden it just starts snowballing and they wind up in some place that's so 10x crazier than what reality is because they just let their mind keep going on that thing where they're bad, the world is bad, everything is evil. And it's like, hey, wow, you know what happened? You stubbed your toe. Like, let's, mm. let's be real about what this is, but let's not make it worse than what it is. That's right. Right. Yeah. And so you got to stop that crazy train. And the, and I think one of the fastest ways you're exactly right to snapping back to there is, yeah, okay, I, I have this issue right now, but here's the things I have going for me mm-hmm. and, and reshifting and focusing on that. And, you know, right before I hit record, you and I were both talking about having a bad day or being in kind of a funk. And mm-hmm. the reality is we cause that. We allowed sure. our mind to get there and we're solely the only ones that are going to be responsible to pull ourselves, recognize it and pull yourself back out of it mm-hmm. in whatever yeah. that's going to take. Sure. And I think it's, it's a very natural thing to have a bad day, even if you're focused on gratitude, but to recognize that you don't have to stay there, right? To feel the full range of human emotion. Right. I, I had a bad day just the other day. I was moving and I've been traveling a lot and going through all these things. And I, I gave myself about 10 hours to have a, a kind of a pity party. Right. right? I, I, I knew I was doing it. I, I, I knew it was there. I recognized that everything's perfect just the way it, just the way it is. And the only thing that's not perfect is my perception of, the, of what's going on. Right. I also recognize that everything's going to be fine. Right. And that I'm grateful for so many things. And I'm still going to have a pity party. Right. And so right. I think I, I, I don't for, for, for your listeners that may think, OK, well, we're just trying to trick ourselves into thinking that everything's all good. I, I, I don't think that that's the, the correct mindset to have. Right. What we're doing is really leveling the playing field. If we can find the bad, then we can obviously find some good in it. That's right. right. We're just not focusing on that for the using the duration of our thoughts and, and the, the, the full focus of our mental energy on the negative. It's right. saying, okay, I'm feeling this. I'm grumpy. This is what it's going to be. I'm going to let people around me know that I'm grumpy. And, you know, I, I realize that when I'm ready, I have the power to come back out of this and move forward and uh, to make a difference in our life. Exactly. And, you know, uh, bring this full circle back to Eastern philosophy, you know, that uh, per, you know, Buddhism, their mm-hmm. feeling is whatever you're feeling, feel that to its fullest extent, let it pass through you and then move forward. Mm-hmm. And, and to go back full circle to what we were saying about um, not allowing ourselves to feel things, right? Oh, I shouldn't feel bad. I shouldn't be grumpy. I shouldn't. So we lock that away. That, sure. that inherently is our problem. Then going, yeah, man, what is going on right now? Jumping up and down, yelling and screaming, hitting the pillow, going, what in the world? Get all of that through you and then go, okay, now here's, now here's my reality. Now what's yeah. the what? I have a home I get to move into. I have the ability to travel all over because I'm getting mm-hmm. to speak on behalf of this fantastic film, right? Yeah. And so you re-flip it around. But I don't think you can do that um, with integrity and with authenticity if you're doing it through, uh, you know, positive mantras that you really don't believe because you've uh-huh. got this bottled up negativity. Feel that stuff, but let it pass through you, right? That's what sure. you're saying. Whether it's 10 minutes or 10 hours, be real that it's not 10 years. That's not real. That's not letting it pass through you. That's letting it become you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and we see it all the time, right? People defending these states. I see people defending negative behavior all the time. People defending trauma, right? Because this, this is how I do it. Yes, right. This idea instead of going back into that 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 three year old question of why, right? <laughs> why is that how you do it? Right. And do, is this what you want to keep doing? Mm-hmm. Really? Because yes. there's no way anybody who wants to defend their honor of having the greatest pain in the world mm-hmm. f- finds that to be self-serving. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that, I don't know, maybe on your tombstone, that's what you want. You know, here's, here's Sam who had the greatest pain in the world. Mm. Re- yeah, I certainly wouldn't want that. Honor. No, I wouldn't want that. Honor no, no there, there, there's no, no way. So, you know, no. and I think going back to what we were talking no. about with the journaling, like write down, write down what you're upset about. You right. know, and then right. after that, write down a list of what you're, what you need to do to get out of it. Right. You know, right. Yeah. You now you've got the problem. Now let's come up with a solution. And sometimes the solution is I need to get over it, you know, mm-hmm. but, but get that stuff out there. So, uh, in, in closing, um, I do want to wrap up here. Um, you and I, by the time this airs on Monday, will have just finished at the GI film festival in San Diego was Saturday night. Um, William, if you could let people know the name of the website that they can go in case this is showing at a town near them, I can tell you right now, I am going to be bombarding social media with a, showing in Seattle on October 17th. William and I will be there for that, as will Tom and Elon, who I um, am interviewing next Monday. So I am pushing you, if you're anywhere near Seattle, um, please come to that showing. It will be fantastic, and we'd love to meet all of you. And then other uh, places, William, that they can go to find, what is that website that people can log on to to see where it's showing near them? Yeah, uh, the bhcnow.com. Um, so the film focuses on a couple different things. One, that there's many different paths to healing, right? Not just uh, a pharmaceutical path. And, and sometimes that the, the most powerful paths uh, come from very ancient traditions um, that, that's, that's displayed. And also the, the need for increased access for mental health care for, for transitioning veterans in order for us to be most effective in, in, in serving our communities and, uh, making our communities better, uh, which I think veterans are, are much, much very, very capable of doing. Sorry about that. And the establishment of what they refer to as a behavioral health core within the military. That way somebody's in charge Somebody's responsible for for mental health in the military. So those those three things are very very important. And if you can go to bhcnow.com, you can get uh, all kinds of uh, resources on how to take action, how to set up a screening possibly uh, in 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 your town, and how to how to get involved in this very important project. Awesome. Thank you. And for all of you listening, all of this will be in show notes. So there'll be a link to the trailer to this movie, as well as the website that William is talking about. And it would be great for you to come out, support it, either go to a screening host one yourself. It's coming out uh, nationally um, here in, I believe, mid-October. So please look this up. Thank you for your service, the documentary. It's um, really time for all of us to take action into a cause that really is worthy of all of our time and attention and care. Um, It's gone on for far too long, and every single one of us can play a part in turning this whole post-traumatic stress epidemic around and really getting people the help that they need. Again, regardless of its origin, regardless of if you've ever been in the military or not, um, mental health in this nation is something that we've got to get a hold of, and this is uh, certainly a great start in doing so. So with that, William, 
thank you once again as my my very first returning guest. Thank you so much for your time and your passion and your energy and for your commitment truly in service of helping others. It's uh, it's an honor to call you my friend. So thank you for your time. The honor is all mine. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Game Changers podcast. The next step is to hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode or any of our incredible guests. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.